surely I'm alright to drive. Yeah. Only had... What, a few? Not enough to put me over. Oh, what? Evening, driver. One long breath, please. If you've been drinking, don't risk driving. Chances are you will be caught. A message from the TAC. Drive safely for everyone. Hi, I'm Alex Leahy, your gig buddy for this series of Always Live. So far, we've been to all sorts of shows. Big ones, little ones, and everything in between. And in this episode, we're visiting a couple of venues where you can bring your own drinks. Yep, a BYO live gig. What we've found as we've travelled around Victoria, the state of music, is that there's a wonderful DIY vibe. If your town hasn't got a live gig, well, why don't you start one? In this episode, we're heading to Gippsland and checking out some of the most unique venues in the state. Starting in a tiny town called Archie's Creek, which I bet you'd never heard of until the local pub started doing gigs. I think what Peter Foley has done at Archie's Creek is extraordinary. That's Peter Bainhog the co-creator of Rockwiz, who loves visiting Archie's Creek, which is about 90 minutes from Melbourne and 20 minutes from Phillip Island. There's not a lot here, just 16 houses, a hall, a tennis court and a pub. Yep, it's tiny. He's made a regional destination that people will go to from Melbourne and he's brought people to that and that's without doubt a, a really strong thing. There's quite a backstory to this venue. As the great Paul Kelly said, from little things, big things grow. The first thing that Peter Foley booked was a house concert. He got Tracy Miller to play at his place for his wife's 50th birthday. Soon after, he had 70 people pack into his lounge room when he hosted a gig with Dave Graney and Claire Moore. But there was actually a deeply personal reason for the home gigs. Peter's son Jack had muscular dystrophy and required 24-7 care. Sadly, Jack died in 2007, at the age of 21. To honour his memory, Peter started a venue, the Caravan Music Club, which he ran at a number of places around Oakley, until the South Oakley Club closed its doors in 2020. Peter then relocated to Archie's Creek, which he calls Caravan Music by the Sea. There have been some extraordinary gigs down there. During lockdown, Peter and his crew build an outdoor stage. It's a beautiful setting. And the venue has already hosted plenty of Aussie legends, including Ross Wilson, Mick Thomas, Stephen Cummings, Kate Sobrano, You Am I, Ella Hooper, and this guy. Yeah, yeah. Hi, it's Henry Waggins. You have the pleasure and privilege of listening to the Always Live podcast. So what's been Peter Bain Hogg's favourite gig at Archie's Creek? Joe Kim Leary. There's a legend. My first gig in Melbourne was seeing Joe Camilleri and I was blown away by the energy that was Joe Joseph and the Falcons had at that time. And here we are 40 years later, 40 plus years later, and he's got just as much energy in all his performances. I think he's the most amazing performer that we have. He's just a gift. Everything that he, that he does is fantastic. I love watching him perform because he just gives so much. 
Peter Foley's approach to booking gigs is probably the same as Joe Camilleri's approach to doing gigs. Peter says, I can handle losing a buck, but I cannot handle unhappiness. We are, after all, in the happiness business. Archie's Creek is just 20 minutes from another big gig, the Western Port Hotel in San Remo. Head 40 minutes the other way, along the South Gippsland Highway, and you'll find one of the most unique venues in Australia. Menion. You go out into the country and there's this beautiful little hall where people come along and bring their eskies and sit down and enjoy a show in an old hall. Done lots of great shows there. That's Vicka Bull, explaining why she loves playing at the Menian Town Hall. Menian is a gig unlike any other. In 1999, a local named Ian Bevington decided that the area needed some live music. So with some like-minded people, Ian formed the Lyrebird Arts Council and the Menian Town Hall was transformed into a music mecca. I've toured. I've been to pretty much every festival in Australia and it is still my favourite gig. That's music industry veteran Mal Holt, who's the production manager at the Menian Town Hall. So what exactly does that mean? I'm the front of house engineer, I'm the lighting technician, I'm the system guy. Anything that needs to happen to make sure the artists get on stage, it's what I do. Some acts bring their own front of house people. If that's the case, I just go and do lights. If they don't bring anyone, I do everything. That's lights, front of house, monitors, the whole lot. I'm also I liaise between the people that put on the gig, which is Liarbird at Menian. So it's not just Menian Town Hall, it's Liarbird at Menian because anyone can hire the hall. It's just a general, basic, empty town hall. And the people at Liarbird Arts Council have been putting on gigs there for about 21 years. Menian is a fully seated venue, but there's no bar. So you get to bring your own drinks and your own food. How good is that? The venue itself, I think it's 250, 260, somewhere around there, fully seated. So for people who might remember the old Continental in Paran, a little bit along that vibe, but it's a completely BYO. We do not have a bar. We do not have anything. It's allocated tables. So when you book your ticket, they will allocate your table. So when you turn up, they go, oh, you're on table 15. Someone will show you to your table. We haven't quite got the little uh, lights like the ushers, but <laughs> um, they get shown to your table. And then basically you choose which seat you want to sit, sit down at, get out your little picnic basket and, you know, have, have your drinks and your nibblies. And it's, yeah, it's a gorgeous little venue. The town hall gigs have put Menian on the map. Now there's a pizza shop and a supermarket, you know, and a couple of little restaurants. But when they first started, there was nothing there. So they provide a meal for the artists, a beautiful home-cooked meal. And it is known worldwide by artists that, oh, you're playing at Menian. Oh, we were there, you know. And, yeah, it, it's a gorgeous little setup. Aussie legend Mark Seymour will never forget his Menian show. That was really good and we, that was uh, I think that was 
we got let out of the cupboard briefly. There was a, it was during the lockdown period, and then they let the brakes off for a little while, and then they closed them again. And we that one didn't get rolled over. You know, there was all these cancellations before and after, but that one stayed erect. You know, and we got oh yeah, we can do this one, and we went out there, and that was just one of the best gigs I've done for a long time. People, because I mean, I did a set pretty much showcased my last album. I, I think I might have played four or five Hunters and Collectors songs in 25 songs. And it was a long show, the intermission. I do that a lot now, just do a really long show, which I love to do. And people come along with that expectation, oh, we, we're in, we're just as a big night, you know. But these were all just, there were, it was a regional town right out in the middle of Gippsland and they were just really into it. You know, it's this sort of open-hearted attitude. And again, right, that was right in the middle of the whole thing of the COVID catastrophe. And that room was just fantastic. It was really, just really uplifting, you know. Mal Holt has seen all the Menian gigs and there's been plenty of highlights. A few years ago now, we had Sharon Jones and the Dap King. So we had the whole lot, you know, 15 people on the stage and it's not a very big stage. <laughs> And then to the other extreme, we've had Justin Towns Earl. He was almost family. He'd been out that many times. And for me, one of the highlights was we had on the Tuesday, we had Steve Earl by himself. And then on the Saturday, we had Justin. And just the contradiction in, in personality and style. But it was just gorgeous to have them both there in the same, you know, same room but a few days apart. You never know what you're going to see when you wander backstage at a rock gig. Will it be some crazy debauch scene? Mal will never forget what happened when he went backstage before Steve Earle's Menian show. What he saw can never be unseen. People talk about going on tour and how magical and um, the sex and drugs and rock and roll of it. I walked backstage one night and Steve Earle was sitting there. Backstage, we have an open fire. He was sitting there with the open fire crackling away, sitting there reading a book, which was, you know, the size of your fist. It was a big, thick book. And I'm going, wow, you know, the reality of backstage life, he says, well, I don't drink anymore, so this is what I do. <laughs> Things got a little wilder when Billy Bragg came to Menian. Billy was gorgeous. Um, he was there for two nights and the second day he heard that there was a go-kart track around the corner and he went, okay, everyone, we're going go-karting and he put it down as a tour expense. So I went go-karting and, I, you know, you go down the straight and there's a big U-turn and I went flying sideways inside and passed him on the inside fully sideways just because I was having fun. <laughs> and he went, yep, that's a tour expense, we're paying for that. You get the beautiful side of the musos because we give them the beautiful side of, of everything else. Jeff Tweedy from Wilco has played Menian not once, but twice. And then there was the night that Glenn Hansard from Irish band The Frames decided to take the crowd on a tour of the town. Towards the end of the set, he just unplugged his, his guitar and the whole band walked off stage, walked through the audience out the front door, over the road and started playing 
in front of the supermarket over the road. The only problem with that is, is the main road that goes through Moonin is also the main highway. And we have semi-trailers flying through there. We don't know how no one got hit. Because he just walked straight across the road, not realising that it was a main highway. And so did the crowd. <laughs> it's a magical place where we try and make the artist feel as comfortable and know that they're appreciated for what they do. And I find personally that brings out a better performance from the artist. Doing a gig at Menian is on Alice Skye's bucket list. Yeah, I, I've heard so many good things about it. I think they won like an award at Music Victoria. So many places like that where I think it's so dependent on the venue owners or bookers to just love music and want to bring it there. I did a um, yeah tour last year with Amel and the Sniffers and Amy and I got along really well and they drove us around on a bus to all these different regional towns, you know, had all the gear in a truck and all the band <laughs> members in a bus for, uh, it was called Small Town Big Sound and that was so much fun and, yeah, there were some pubs and venues in these small towns across Victoria that were just so passionate and you could feel that in like the community as well like because they get the community excited about it. As Alice mentioned, Menian Town Hall won Best Regional Venue at the Music Victoria Awards in 2018 and 2019. If you haven't been to Menian, it's definitely worth the trip. No matter who's playing, it'll be a show you'll never forget. It's a two-hour drive from Melbourne and having done it for so long... There's a lot of regulars that I see every show. But there's a lot of people, and, you know, because you know, I'm set up in front of house, that's right next to the front door. So I'm talking to a lot of people throughout the night. And over half of our audience drive from Melbourne down to see it because there's nothing like it in Melbourne. I think we're ready for this, we're ready for this. Okay, let's keep travelling down the South Gippsland Highway. And 70 k's from Menian, you'll find a town named Yarram, where Vicar Bull witnessed another great concert recently. Those country pubs are great. I think they're really great because, yes, the town does usually all turn out to see a band. I went and saw Wendy Matthews in um, Yarram. And I thought, okay, no one in the street and all of a sudden, you know, 7 o'clock came and everyone was there at the venue. It was a lovely old theatre in Yarram, that you'd, you'd, really unusual. It was really pretty town. I was really shocked. I think that's the nice thing, you know, getting out to those country towns and, and, and finding a nice place to play. Another hour on the South Gippsland Highway and just past Sale, you'll find a place named Bundalagua, but don't blink or you'll miss it. Bundalagua, known as Bundy to the locals, is even smaller than Menian, but like Menian, it's got a town hall and some enterprising locals, blokes like Brett Glover and Paul Versteden. Brett and Paul run a gig called Live at the Bundy. Live at the Bundy is a uh, incorporation including Brett and myself and a whole bunch of volunteers and 
we run live music events at the Bundalagua and Myrtle Bank Hall. Paul's a local farmer and Brett's a music teacher at a school in Sale, but they're both passionate musicians and music fans and they were looking for a place they could turn into a venue. We popped into the Bundy Hall one day and met, I think, some of the CWA people were there and we popped in and just said g'day and sort of suggested that maybe we could run some live music shows there and they said, oh, that'd be great. And then about a year later, I think the hall got shut down, didn't it, Brett? And we um, we got a phone call from the Bundy Hall committee asking us if we could help and um, that was our opening and the rest is history. Back in 2012, the Bundy Hall was falling down and the council closed it. But Paul and Brett and some hardworking locals brought it back to life. Who would have thought that one of Victoria's best-sounding venues would be an old hall sitting halfway between Sale and Mafra? Paul's a real sound geek, so that was his top priority. He wanted the Bundy Hall to sound big and beautiful. I always had a mission to to try and find truth in sound and, and have great sound somewhere at a venue and it wasn't really until I hooked up with um, John Burnett from Leonard Audio, the old sound guru, I call him. So he's been around for a long time. He's still around and um, he helped us and inspired us to to build this fantastic sound system and acoustically treat the venue. So uh, here we are. And getting John involved in this project is a great story in itself because John's a Sydney guy through and through. And back in the early days, if Led Zeppelin was in town, then John was building Leonard Audio, not only PA systems, but also the, the bass amps and the guitar amps, everything for the show. And when these big brands uh, started coming in the late 60s, early 70s, all of a sudden John's gear wasn't getting used as much, but he had some wonderful ideas and it was all about clarity um, which turned into uh, these home hi-fi systems that when we came in very late uh, in the program. With John's help, we've been able to recreate these systems and put it into somewhere like the Bundy Hall, which is all acoustically treated. And this is based on a lot of John's ideas over the last 50 years of deep thought. And um, being able to work with him has been a real eye-opener for us and we've learned a lot. Yep. This is a venue that proudly proclaims it's all about the music. So eventually we've become financially secure and that's all off the back of ticket sales to shows. So we don't serve or sell alcohol. Uh, the venue's BYO. We run a raffle and we have a barbecue. And um, the power of the community coming on board has got us where we need to be. When the legendary Joe Camilleri played here, he said, every community needs a Bundy Hall. It was an honour to see it firsthand. Viva Bundy Hall. There's been a lot of mutual benefit between Live at the Bundy and the Bundy Hall. So it's the music's revitalised the hall and because it's revitalised the hall, the hall's been able to attract funding uh, for its own upgrades, which has in turn helped Live at the Bundy because now we've got an even better venue. So it's just been a, I think it's a really great story of the power of community and music. Initially, however, the locals were a little sceptical. So with us, it's always been a bit of a challenge to get people to come along. And it's been funny. People often ask, oh, did you start with local people and getting them involved and then trying to reach out to the city and getting people down to Gippsland? The experience has been quite the opposite at the beginning um, because we are a local venue. The locals saw us as that and thought, well, we've seen it all before and heard it all before. We know what local bands and local venues sound like. 
and we're not willing to pay uh, $20 a ticket to go and see what we can see for free at the pub on Saturday night. So we were actually mostly getting um, people from out of town or from the city to come down to experience the sound and the setting and the acts that we were actually um, able to attract to the, to the venue. We started out doing a lot of blues music, which was great. Always attracts people from all over. So initially, yeah, we, we didn't get a lot of traffic from Sale or Mafra. And then occasionally you do a blockbuster show. You might, you know, probably the Black Sorrows was the first one that really put us on the map at the time. And a few of the locals would come along to that and then go, oh, gee, what is this place? We didn't know this was here. And we still get that to this day of people that are local that don't even know that what's going on in the Bundy Hall. But the word has spread slowly and it's getting further and wider and people coming from all over, but more importantly, a lot of local people. We're getting a lot more local people coming now, which is also good. And that's sort of reflected in our, our membership base that, that we've created now. So what's been the best band to play at the Bundy? We get asked this all the time and it's really hard to put a finger on who was the best or what did you enjoy the most. We'll always view um, success as a band comes to the Bundy Hall on their way in, they see this little hall in the middle of a cow paddock and think, why are we here and why are we doing this? And then they'll get on the phone to management and say, what the heck are we doing here? And then by the end of the night when they've experienced people coming out of the darkness enjoying the music, being highly appreciative of what they do. We accommodate them very well. We feed them. We look after them. And by the end of the night, they're all smiles and very chatty and can't wait to come back for another visit. I think that's my favourite thing about being involved in this project. We love it when they love it. And we know that when a band is happy and happy on the stage and can hear themselves and they're in a great venue with a great community, the band always performs really well. So you get that aspect of it as well. We've had, you know, blockbuster shows, like I say, Black Sorrows, John Stevens, Kate Sobrano, had some big names like that. We've also had lots of other unknown bands to us at the time. My personal favourites are the unknowns. I just love it when we have a band I've never heard of, I've never listened to their music, and they roll into the Bundy and I hear something totally new for the first time. So they're just my personal favourites, but... But the other biggest shows are great for other, you know, all the reasons that Brett said and, and seeing a big, huge community of people all having a great time. There's a lot of kicks in that as well. So we get kicks all around, don't we, Brett? Yeah, that's the thing with the unknown bands. We know they shouldn't be unknown, but this is the industry at the minute where they don't have as many radio shows, TV shows that are promoting Australian music anymore. It seems to be just an easy thing just to um, pump out the music from America or England or just anywhere else but Australia. We wanted to be part of something where those great bands that are out there, we can bring them into a venue like this and um, put them on a stage and make them sound the way they deserve to sound in front of an appreciative audience. Brett and Paul have had many memorable moments over the past nine years. Well, at the Bundy Hall, it's so uniquely country. Um, I remember we had some sound baffles that are on the wall and it's a, a beautiful uh, surface to be able to pin a notice to. So someone saw in their wisdom thought this is a great opportunity to put up an advertisement in the Bundy Hall and it was um, sheep, manure. sheep manure. If you'd like sheep manure, please call this number. We To this day, we've got no idea who put it there, but at every show we would point out the sheep manure advertisement and um, say, please call the number. In fact, if you get an answer, please let us know who it is. 
We've got no idea who the sheep manure salesman was, if they sold out or if they're still in business. <laughs> uh, there, there's so many funny things that happen. We have a banter on the stage and we run a raffle and we always have fun doing that stuff. Well, way back we had Angry Anderson and the James Southwell band and Angry and the drummer got lost. I think they were about three hours late to the gig. It was pretty funny at the time, but everyone sort of understood and we hung about and we, we did, a, you know, we messed about for a while and eventually the show got underway. You try to be organised and uh, run a show. I mean, we run our shows to the dime when it comes to time. 7.30 starts, me. we're starting at 7.30. But if ever there's been a hiccup, it always turns into something else very unique. I don't think we've ever had a hiccup where it's been a disaster. It's, it's always been uniquely uh, a country feel. We've always sort of said that our venue is a, it's a city venue but set out in the country. And I think that's a perfect way to set it because we were forever travelling to Melbourne to watch shows of that calibre. And, of course, we'd have to spend uh, so much on accommodation, petrol, meals. We like the idea of uh, being lazy, I guess, and just uh, organising bands to come to us. And luckily for us, we've found enough people in our area that want to join in as well and help foot the bill. (laughs) (laughs) Build it and they will come. The bands and the fans. Now, the Bundy Hall holds about 200 people. As the guys point out, it's not a pub and it's not a theatre. I think we offer something that's a little bit in between because we're not seated. We're a BYO drinks venue. We're not about running a bar and trying to make money that way. We are solely uh, raising revenue off ticket sales. And it's a hall. It's made for dancing in. So people are up on their feet. They're they're milling around and talking to each other as well. And that's the great thing about having an acoustically treated space is you can still have a conversation with someone and the music's playing. You're not really bothering people around you because your voice isn't adding to the the noise in the room. It gets soaked up immediately by the walls and and the ceiling and the people in there as well. It's venues like Archie's Creek, the Menian Town Hall and Live at the Bundy that remind us how important live music is. It brings people together, and it's a place where the community can gather, in good times and bad. You know, sometimes we actually forget that it's needed too because we've we've been, we're lucky enough, we get to do this around 14 times per year at the Bundy Hall. Um, Sometimes we forget how positive effect it has on other people, and sometimes we do need to be reminded of that. Like, we'll just be going through the run run of the mill through a show again, and, uh, you know, enjoying it. But then at the end of the night, someone will come up and go, oh, that is the best sound, amazing experience. Oh, this is what's been going on in my life. And, oh, that has just taken all my problems away. And you go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's that's why we're it's doing this in the first place. And we love that term visceral. It, it's something magic about live music. Recorded music is great for you, but um, live music is a visceral experience. It affects you emotionally. It does something to you chemi- chemically. We don't know what it is, and I'm sure there's um, scientists a lot smarter than us who are studying this as we speak and are probably just scra- scratching the surface. So we know it's there. We can't explain what it is. And it's, it's, it's I mean, um, I've been there for the birth of all my four children, and that was a magic experience too. I mean, I know how that works, but it's still unbelievable that it happens. And I think the next closest thing is this whole music experience I mean, um, mankind's been doing this for 40,000 years and they weren't doing it for money (laughs) back then. It was something that that had to happen and there was a need and a want for it. 
I think it uh, feeds us spiritually and I think it promotes intelligence. And I think that's what we all need in the community. And thank God for the venue operators. If not for people like Brett and Paul, artists like me would have nowhere to play. Before we go, Brett's got one more thing to tell us. It's just one more story. We often have people drive past and see the billboard and then it's the week later they realise that it was the actual band and they thought it was actually just a tribute act that was playing there. We go, no, it actually is the Eurogliders. But um, there was one particular night, there was a young group of girls there who were there to see the Thirsty Merc tribute show. Someone had pointed out these girls think it's a tribute band tonight. So I went over to these girls and said, hey, my name's Brett. I'm one of the organisers. It's actually the real Thirsty Merc that are playing here tonight. And they, of course, looked at me with with uh, raised eyebrows as if I was accosting them. So I just walked away immediately and left them to it. I went out back to the band in the green room and said, uh, there's a group of girls out there that think you're actually a Thirsty Merc cover band tonight. And first of all, they're saying, well, I can't believe they paid 45 bucks for that. <laughs> they came out on the stage and the word had got around that these girls were here for this wrong show. And uh, everyone was just, eyes were on this group of girls as the real band came out and started to play. And Ray Thistlethwaite was kind enough to get on the microphone and go, we'd like to apologise to the four girls who have come here to see the uh, Thirsty Merc tribute show tonight. We hear they're brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> So they had a great night. Imagine like going to watch an Elvis tribute show and Elvis walks Dude. out. <laughs> Nothing beats the real thing. One, two, three, four. Next time on Always Live, we're heading to central Victoria, discovering the great gigs in Ballarat, Bendigo and Castlemaine. And we'll find out which venue is haunted. Actually, we did a gig there. I can't remember who it was with. It might have been with um, Ash Grunwald or someone like that. And one of the crew stayed the night in the theatre and got woken up in the middle of the night with the bath tap turned on full and the bath was running. And he woke up and he thought, that's strange. There was no one else in the theatre. He turned it off, went to bed, was a bit spooked. Bath started up again. And that was it for him. He bolted. The ghosts of gigs past and some big gigs that are happening right now. That's coming up on Always Live. This episode of Always Live was written and researched by Mikey Carl, Jeff Jenkins and Luke Wallace. Audio production by Ben Oakley. Produced by Dave Carter on behalf of Media Heads. If you dug this podcast, feel free to share it, write a review and subscribe to the series on your favourite podcast app. Sharing is caring. And if you want info on some awesome live gigs coming soon to Victorian stages, follow Always Live on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or visit the website alwayslive.com.au. I'm Alex Leahy. Catch you at the next gig.